Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. This is now our 13th installment in the book of Acts, 13 parts we've, we've been through this. And for those of you who haven't been a part of a study like this before, uh, let me just tell you, all I'm doing each week is preaching the progression of the text. So I'm just preaching what's next in the text. Does that make sense? I, I preached series where it was topical or I felt something. And so I created something that I thought you should hear. But what we've been doing this past 13 weeks is just whatever's next in the text I'm preaching. What I'm figuring out is that God's got a better agenda for what you need to hear than I do. And so it just kind of turned out that way. So we're real excited about what God's doing. And you're going to hear a couple things this morning, but we're going to be in Acts chapter seven this week, primarily chapter seven, but to set up chapter seven, you got to go back to chapter six and we have to reestablish a few things from Acts chapter six. If you remember Acts chapter six, we see that this complaint was coming. How many of you remember that message about complaining in the church? And we see this complaint coming, but the complaint is coming from the, the Hellenistic Jews. And they're saying, hey, hey guys, listen, we have some widows that nobody's taken care of. And you remember the apostle said, great, y'all go take care of them. If you see the need, you take care of it. How, how many know that you don't have the right to complain if you ain't gonna do something about it? And so, and so that was two weeks ago. If you haven't heard that message, you can go back to our podcast and, and listen to it. So, so the apostle said, let's pick some men seven men and they're going to have to have a certain criteria before we send them to take care of the widow. So I want to go back and read this verse of the type of men they picked. And then we're going to talk about how this makes sense in chapter seven, Acts chapter six, verses three through five. If you have your Bibles, devices, you can look on the screen. Every note that's in front of me is going to be on there. And this is what the apostle said. He says, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men. And here it is. Here's the criteria of good repute full of the spirit and full of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. We, talking about the pastors, the apostles, will devote ourselves to prayer, the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And it says the first guy they chose, it says, and they chose Stephen. And it tells us what Stephen was full of. He was a man that was full of faith and he was full of the Holy Spirit. Luke tells us the first guy they pick is a man named Stephen, and Stephen was full of it. What was he full of? The Bible says he was a man of good repute, y'all. He, he, had a, he was greatly respected in his community. Uh, he had his affairs in order. It says he was full of wisdom. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of faith. He was full of it all. I want to preach a message to you this morning simply entitled, you're full of it. You're full of it. Come on, tell your neighbor, say neighbor, you're full of it. You're full of it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the reading of your word. God, it's your word that changes us. Not my words, not my thoughts. Hide me today behind you. Lord, use me. God, I, I pray that God, you enlighten our ears that we may hear and our hearts that may, we may receive. And Lord, my prayer today is may we never be the same. In Jesus' name, and if you receive that, say amen. Amen. You're full of it. You're full of it. 
We're living in a day and age where people are full of all kinds of stuff, aren't they? I, I think this past 18 months has really shown us what people are full of. Just get on Facebook, you'll see what people are full of. These last 18 months have shown us that people are full of a plethora of things, both good and bad. So, so on one hand, people in our culture have been full of fear. They've been full of despair. There's been no void of opinions. People are full of opinions. Everybody has an opinion on everything. And if you don't agree with my opinion, I'm going to cancel you. People are full of it. People are full of negativity. People have been full of hatred. People have been full of political ideologies. But most of all, people have been full of themselves. That's what it boils down to is that you just get on Facebook, you get on Instagram, you get on Twitter, you turn on the news, you go down to the coffee shop, you go to the grocery store. You hang around people long enough, you're going to see that they've been full of it, full of themselves. And when I say themselves, it's anything that's pleasing to the flesh. It's, it's hedonistic. People have been full of sex. People have been full of addictions, whatever it is. I, I, I've done more funerals for overdoses and suicides in the last 18 months than I have in my entire life. People are just full of it, trying to figure a way to satisfy what they're full of. So on one set, one hand, you've seen a large part of humanity that's been full of themselves, but I've also seen and also been encouraged because I believe in the church, there's a bunch of people who are here today that you've been full of God too. You've been full of the Spirit. And I've also seen on the other hand, I've seen people full of the Holy Spirit. I've seen people during the season full of faith and full of peace and full of joy and full of strength and full of courage. And, and, and there's this hunger. People are hungry for the things of God. And so we've seen that people are full of themselves and we've seen that people are full of the Spirit of God. And I guess what I'm trying to say today is this, that whenever you face a difficult season, whatever you're full of will eventually come out. Whatever you're full of will eventually come out. During this season, I heard one political pundit talk about this season of COVID and political unrest and everything that's happening. And they were talking about the mindsets of, of, of the American people. And this is what this political pundit said. They said, this last year and a half has made people crazy. This last year and a half has made people evil. This last year and a half has, you know, made people go insane. This, listen to me. This last year and a half didn't make anybody do anything. This last year and a half just revealed what people were full of. Because, because what you're full of eventually comes out. It just comes out of you. And so, in the last 18 months, we, we've seen people that are full of themselves, but we've also seen, I'm encouraged by, there's a whole lot of saints here today that you're full of God, and you're full of the things of God. So, according to Acts chapter 6, y'all, uh, Stephen was, was full of God. He was full of faith and wisdom and the Spirit of God and grace and power. So, I want you to see, I want to set up chapter 7, that you see this man that's full of God. But you also have some people who are going to oppose him. Why? Because the flesh will always oppose the spirit. When the spirit moves, watch out, the flesh is right behind. When God begins to do something in a church, 
When God begins to do something in your life, when God begins to do something in a community, just wait a few minutes because the enemy's right behind. He doesn't like it. He shows his hand. He overplays his hand. It's going to come out in the form of flesh every single time. So we have Stephen. The Bible tells us he's full of God. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Now, as soon as it tells us about that very next verse, it tells us about Stephen. It says, verse 9, Acts chapter 6, then some of those who belong, it says, to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called now, the synagogue of the freedmen, these were Jews by birth who'd been taken into captivity by the Romans and then set free. So they've called themselves freedmen. Uh, these men, many scholars believe that Saul of Tarsus was one of these men. They were re- these religious zealots who persecuted uh, the Jewish Christians. And so uh, they use things like persecution and murder to accomplish their agenda. How many know flesh always has an agenda? So there's these people who have an agenda, and it talks about the synagogue of the freedmen. It talks about the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and those from Cilicia and Asia. It says they rose up against Stephen and disputed with him. So all these groups, I just want you to see this, rise up against. They start opposing. You have the Spirit of God in Stephen, and that's really what they're Opposing, They begin to debate, debate the man who was full of God. But look at what verse 10 says. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit that was on the inside of him that was speaking. So these Greek-speaking Jews disputed. They, they went against uh, uh, Stephen because they have an agenda. Because he was preaching and teaching the gospel that went against their agenda. So they start to oppose him. Their, their, their flesh is coming through. And it says this in verse 11, it says, then they secretly uh, instigated men. So they, this is, they're getting some men and say, hey, we're going to give you a plan. We got a plan. And here's what we want you to say. We, we want you to say that we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. This is a lie. And it says they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. Now it's bleeding into the church folks. Okay. And it says, then they seized him and brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses against him who said, this man never ceases to speak words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. It's all a lie. They're setting him up. So all these people are debating Stephen. They realize that Stephen is full of the Spirit of God, that he has more wisdom than them. So everything they debate, he comes back, he says, no, that's not true. So they instigate, they stir up these men to bring false accusations against them. They tell, they tell the council, they tell the religious people that Stephen blasphemed the temple and Moses and the law. And, 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 and so these are very serious accusations. So I just want you to see this. So you have Stephen, everybody say Stephen. Stephen is full of God. Then you also have these others, everybody say the others, who oppose Stephen. So you have Stephen, who's full of God. Then you have these others who have an agenda, so they're full of themselves. I want you to see this. Full of God, full of themselves. Full of God, full of themselves. Now, this is a conflict that resides not just between Stephen and his opposition, But this is a conflict that resides in every single one of us. Full of God, full of myself. There's been seasons where I've been full of God, and I've been full of myself. Listen to me. You can be full of God, or you can be full of yourself, but you can't be both. 
You cannot be both. Stephen was full of God. His opposers were full of themselves. The question I want to ask today is simply this. What or who do you want to be full of? You're going to be given an opportunity. You either be full of yourself or you can be full of God. You can be full of your flesh or you can be full of the spirit. And those two things are always at war. They're the antithesis of each other. They're always in conflict. They're always going at it. It's the spirit and it's the flesh. It's the flesh and it's the spirit. And every single day when you get up, you have an opportunity to look at what's happening in the world, either through the spirit or through the flesh. When opposition comes your way, you can say, I'm going to respond one of two ways. I'm going to respond in the spirit or I'm going to respond to the flesh. When you wake up tomorrow morning and life comes at you with everything it's got and your feet hits the floor, you have an opportunity to say, I'm going to live today in the spirit or I'm going to live in the flesh. When you're going down Crestwell Lane and somebody tells you the number one out the window, you have an opportunity right in that moment to say, you know what, I'm going to live in the spirit or I'm going to live in the flesh. When you turn on CNN or Fox News tomorrow evening when you get home, you have an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to respond in the spirit or in the flesh. We can look at what's happening in our world right now and we can jump on the flesh bandwagon. That's what people want you to do. They want you to respond according to your flesh. Respond according to your skin pigmentation. Respond according to your gender. Respond according to your sexuality. Respond according to your political affiliation. No, no, listen, honey, that's flesh. We got to listen to the Spirit of God and see there is a bigger war going on in here. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. We got a bigger opponent. These things are always at war, aren't they? Always at conflict. And if you're a Christian in the room, you feel the conflict. You feel it in yourself because they're always opposing one another, aren't they? I think the Apostle Paul describes it best when he wrote a letter to the church at Rome. Listen with the, this is the Apostle Paul. This is my hero. This is the guy that wrote the majority of the New Testament. I mean, he's the most prolific Christian to me of all time in the New Testament. This is what he says. Paul, I do not understand what I do. That makes me feel a whole lot better about myself. Why? For what I want to do, I do not do, but I hate what I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer myself who do it, but it's the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me because I have flesh. That is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but I do the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. He's saying the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things I know I should do, I don't. He says, and I keep on doing them. Now, if I don't do what I do not want to do, it, it's, it, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin that is living in me that does. He's saying the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing them. And the things I know I should be doing, well, I'm, I'm not doing them. And I don't even understand what I do. Paul 
Have you ever been there? I want to read my Bible. I want to pray. I want to be there for my kids. I want to love my life. I want to walk in the spirit, but I don't. And the things that I know that I shouldn't do, gossip, lie, anger, the secret sins, I keep doing the things I don't want to do. What's he saying? There's a war. The real enemy is in me. It's this stuff right here, this flesh. And it's fighting the spirit. Why is that? Why is that? I think Paul goes even deeper. If you look in the book of Galatians, this is what he says in Galatians chapter 5. He, this is what Paul says, but I say, walk by the spirit and do not gratify the desires of the, listen to me, the only thing that the, the, the flesh wants to do is be gratified. It's looking to be fed. For the desires of the spirit are, excuse me, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you would do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So Paul tells us three things. He says, number one, the spirit has desires. That's number one. Number two, the flesh has desires. I mean, that is true. And number three, they're always against each other. It's like a a stare down. Y'all ever seen a stare down? I think our team pulled a picture of a stare down. Here, Here it is right here. Let's put it on the screen. A stare down. Nope, wrong picture. A stare down. That's not it. Take that off. There we go. Take the other one off. Can we... Technical difficulty. See, there's warring going on in the back right now. Somebody's trying to play a video. Somebody's. There we go. The stare down. Y'all know who that is on the left, don't you? Who is that? Dustin, the diamond Poirier from South Louisiana. We're going to say he represents the Holy Spirit. Y'all know good old people from South Louisiana represent the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> and then we, we, got, we got Conor McGregor. Yeah, no, he, he represents the flesh. See, y'all, y'all, y'all. You, you can switch them. But, but here's what I want you to see. It's, it's the stare down. It's, it's, it's two opponents who don't like each other about to battle it out. It, it's the stare down. It, it's, it's what happens. It's, it's what's happening right now. It's your flesh looking at your spirit and your spirit looking at your flesh saying, we're about to duke this thing out. And you know where you are? You stuck between your noses. It's the stare down. I'm about to say the stare down. If you go back to the end of the book of uh, Acts chapter 6, it's the stare down. It's Stephen who's full of the spirit and it's the other man who's full of the flesh. And I want you to see this stare down. It's happening. Verse 15 says this, it says, and those, these are the ones who are full of the the flesh. Can Can we put verse 15 up there? It says, and gazing at them, the ones that are full of the flesh are gazing at him. They're staring him down, and they all sat in the council, and they saw him because they're staring him down. And look what it says they see. It says they saw the face that was an angel. They're staring him down, and they're saying, wait a minute, we're flesh, but we ain't looking at flesh. We're looking at something different. What I see ain't a human. He looks like an angel. We're we're staring down 
the spirit of God. This is wild. It's a picture of flesh looking at the spirit and saying, uh-oh, I thought I was bad because I'm Conor McGregor. But there's a boy from South Louisiana that I'm about to fight. Uh-oh, I see an angel. So I want you to see this. So the flesh looks at the spirit. The flesh looks at the spirit. I'm going to say it one more time. The flesh looks at the spirit. But the spirit has a different response than just looking. See, it's, it's the flesh that looks at the spirit but it's the spirit we're going to see in verse chapter 7 that speaks back to the flesh. It's the spirit that speaks to the flesh. See, when you find yourself in the middle of a battle, it has to be the spirit that becomes louder than the flesh. Your spirit has to become the loudest voice in the fight. Stephen is about to use his voice. The entire uh, chapter 7 of the book of Acts is Stephen speaking and nobody responding. He's going to preach a message. He's going to preach 53 verses. I'm about to read every single one of them. I'm just kidding. He's going to preach 53 verses, and he doesn't even give them a chance to interject or rebuttal. He just speaks. The conflict happens. The flesh looks at the spirit, but it's the spirit that speaks to the flesh. Listen to me. It's the spirit speaking to the flesh, not the other way around. We're living in a day and age where it's the flesh that's been speaking at the spirit. It's unsafe people telling us what we should believe about the Bible, what we should preach. It's the flesh speaking to the spirit. The flesh should never speak to the spirit. It's the spirit speaking to the flesh. I heard a story a long time ago it was this, this Native American uh, uh, chief, and he sits, these, he sits these young braves down, and he says, your, 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 your being is like two dogs fighting. He says, there's two dogs fighting on the inside of every single one of us. One dog is a good dog who wants to do the right thing, and the other dog always wants to do the wrong thing. He says, sometimes the good dog seems to be stronger in winning the fight, but sometimes the, the bad dog seems to be winning and uh, doing better in winning the fight. And the young brave says, well, which dog wins? You know what he said? The one you feed. There's a fight going on inside of us right now. Which one wins? Is it the spirit of the flesh? It's the one that you feed. It's the one that you allow to speak. The spirit has to speak to the flesh. Listen to me. When it comes to who wins the battle over the spirit and the flesh, it's the one that speaks wins. And we're living in a day and age where all that we're hearing is flesh. And you know what? You can turn on the news. You can get on Facebook. You can go down to Walmart, whatever it is. And I want you to, I want you to see what you're hearing. Sexuality is screaming. Politics is screaming. Gender is screaming. Whatever feels good is screaming. Just do you. Flesh is speaking and it feels good and the masses like it. It's even dividing churches. Flesh is dividing churches. That's why you have black churches and white churches. That's why you have conservative churches and liberal churches. Sexuality is now even 
dividing denominations. Where there's some denominations that actually have an LGBTQ portion or a straight portion. Are you kidding me? We're allowing flesh to divide the church? That's because the spirit isn't speaking. It's time for the spirit to speak to the flesh. Why? Because that which is a flesh is not of God. Look, look what John says, 1 John 2, 16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. Galatians 5, 24 says this, now those who truly belong to Christ have crucified the, you can't be a Christian unless you crucify this stuff. With its passions and desires, I know how you feel. We all have fleshly desires. People tell me, that's the way I was born. That's who I am. Of course it was. That's the way you were born. But that's why you got to get born again. Jesus says, if anyone comes after me, he must deny his flesh, crucify his flesh, and pick up his cross. What am I saying? For far too long, it's the flesh that's had the loudest voice. Look what Jesus said to the disciples. John chapter 6, verse 63. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I spoke to you, they're full of the spirit and life. What's, what's he saying? He says, it's the spirit, not the flesh. When the spirit speaks, he breathes life. Watch this. When the flesh speaks, it counts for nothing. I brought my gym bag. Y'all want to see what's in here? I like to, uh, me and Pastor Martin like to hoop a little bit. So I brought my basketball. When the flesh speaks, it counts for. Thank you, Dwayne. My pants are too tight to jump off of here. <laughs> when my flesh speaks, it's like trying to dribble a basketball with no air. It counts for nothing. It counts for nothing. Ain't nothing wrong with this basketball. It's still a basketball. It's just not filled with what it needs to be filled with. You can be filled with the flesh Or you could be filled with the Spirit. The flesh. The Spirit. This basketball is made to be filled. you made to be filled. Not with yourself. You're made to be filled with the Spirit of God. And when you're filled 
with the spirit of God, the spirit will speak to every lie that the flesh brings up. You know what it says? That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. So when it comes to your sexuality, it's time for your spirit to speak to your flesh. When it comes to your political affiliation and where your trust is, it's time for your spirit to speak to your flesh. When it comes to your secret struggles, it's time for your spirit to speak to your flesh. When it comes to your worldview, it's time for your spirit to speak to your flesh. Why? Because when the flesh speaks, it counts for nothing. But when your spirit speaks, you got the freedom to bounce. And I guess what I'm trying to say today, it's time for the people of Opelousas to get your bounce back. Y'all, we've been living flat for way too long. Flat life, flat family, flat church. And God, all God wants to do is fill us up with something to get our bounce back. Do you know why every time you face an obstacle and you feel like you're just flat? Because you're filled with the wrong thing. It's time to get our dribble back. It's time to get our bounce back. It's time to say, God, fill me up. I'm tired of being filled with myself. I need the Spirit of God to be on the inside of me. For 53 verses, for 53 verses, Stephen, full of the Spirit of God, speaks to those who are full of the flesh. And you know what they do? Now nah, we good. They reject it. And there's only one reason why the flesh would ever reject the spirit. There's only one reason why a basketball says, don't fill me up with air. There's only one reason why we say, I'm good like I am. It's called pride. And Stephen, the last verse of his message, says this. Verse 51. Look what Stephen says. He says, you stiff-necked people. I didn't say it. Stephen said <laughs> Uncircumcised in your heart. And your ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Now, they were circumcised in their flesh, but there was still some stuff in their hearts that weren't cut away. There was some stuff in their ears that were not cut clean. And the Spirit was pulling them in God's direction, but they wanted to go another direction. Look what he says. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You have received the law and delivered by angels, and you did not keep it. He tells them to prove how flat they were. He says, you act more like your earthly fathers than you do your heavenly father. And all the sins that they committed, you're committing too. And look at their response. Help me out, Dick. When they heard these things, they were enraged. And it says they, they ground their teeth at him, at Stephen. Now, in uh, 
three weeks from today, I will have been preaching for 20 years in three weeks. I don't know how many messages I've preached. It's it's gotta be a couple thousand, I I think. Uh, I've seen all types of responses when when I preach. Uh, I've seen people laugh because I'll tell dad jokes. Uh, I'll see people smile on occasion. I see people cry. I see people agree. I've seen people disagree. I've seen people get up and leave while I'm preaching. Occasionally, not very often, I've seen some people fall asleep. That's when I get real loud. But I've never seen in 20 years of preaching, I've never seen somebody get so enraged that they just grind their teeth at me. Now, now the day's not over yet, so we'll see. Holy Spirit given flesh an opportunity and instead of flesh falling to the ground in repentance they stood their ground in pride and resisted every word he spoke everybody say pride do you know what I see when I look at culture today I see pride I see people who are well-meaning. They're proud of their sexuality. We got a whole month for it. I see people who are proud about being white, proud about being black. Listen, there's nothing wrong with our heritage. I love my heritage. You should love your heritage. But when we elevate our heritage, over the blood of Jesus, it's called pride. I know people, they're so proud to be a Democrat. I know other people that are so proud to be a Republican. We're just living in a day and age where people are just so proud of their flesh. Pride is the fruit of flesh. And God despises it. Look what James says, for God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, I need some grace in my life. I got enough people opposing me, I don't need God to be one of them. I need God's grace in my life, I need God's mercy in my life. But pride says, I will choose my flesh over the spirit. I will choose what feels good over what is just and true. I'll choose sin over freedom. I'll choose my political affiliation over the kingdom of God. Pride. Pride. Pride is the pitfall of man. Through pride, the devil became the devil. Read Isaiah, I will be like the most high. Okay. Through pride, Marriages and relationships and communities and churches are ruined. And here's my big thought for the day. When pride lives, the spirit leaves. But when pride leaves, the spirit lives. These people don't get it. I, I, I'm not going to read the rest. They, they kill Stephen. Pride killed the spirit. They stoned Stephen. 
If you read the last part of that book, book uh, chapter 7. The people who were full of pride killed Stephen who was full of the Spirit. And today, y'all, we get to choose. Which one lives? Does your pride kill the Spirit of God that's in you? Or does the Spirit of God that lives in you kill your pride? We get to choose. We get to choose. And I think it's time to let pride die. It's time to let the Spirit live. It's so important in our church. It's so important in our community. And you know what? I'm tired of, you know what people say about our community? I don't see this when I look at Opelousas. I don't see that. Y'all know what I see? Come here, Mason. Help me out, Mason. Come on. Come up here. Come up here. Come on, man. Mason, give me a little, give me a little ball work. Come on. Give, give me something. I, I, I don't see this. Come on. Do something. Come on, Mason. You are all-star. AAU. Come on. Come on. Come on, Mason. Give me something. Come on. I don't see this. When I look at Opelousas, come on, Mason. I see, I see this. I see bounce. When I look at Opelousas, I see freedom. When I look at Opelousas, I see deliverance. I see God moving. I see a new season. I see winning. I don't see losing. I see us getting our dribble back. I see God moving. I see revival. When I look at you, I see a church that's full of the Spirit of God that says, you know what? This is what COVID tried to do. This is what politics tried to do. But I got my bounce back. Does anybody have their bounce back? Why? Because when we look through the Spirit, we no longer see the things of the flesh. And we've been looking at this thing wrong. We've been looking through our first birth highs. John 3, 3 says, thank you, Mason. John 3, 3 says this. You can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Implying that we got to look through the eyes of our second birth. Through the eyes of bounce. Yet we've been settling for looking through the eyes of our flesh. How are you looking at this thing? How are you looking at this church? How are you looking at this community? I got the most encouraging news I'm about to give you. Two weeks ago, Pastor Jim LaFoon, who is Pastor Jacob's pastor, was, was with us. We had an all-day meeting where he... He comes in every once in a while. How many of you know who Pastor Jim LaFoon is? He, he, he is a prophet of God. He prophesies. He, he had a word for all of our pastors. He did. He, he prophesied over their families and their kids and all this stuff. And then there's two people he didn't prophesy over. One was Pastor Eugene and Heidi, and the next was me and Rachel. And he looks at us. He goes, I don't have a word for y'all. I have a word for Opelousas. And he's never done this. He says, turn on the camera. I want to speak to the people of Opelousas. And here's what he said. Opelousas is the crown jewel of Louisiana. He said this. He says, people have been saying for years, what good can come out of Opelousas? He says, let me remind you. They say the same thing about Jesus. What good can come out of Nazareth? And he said, I want to speak to Opelousas because some of them have been looking through the wrong eyes. So I had my little, I had this phone right here. So I stood there like this and I recorded him. 
And I want to play you this three-minute video because I believe this word is for us. Y'all play this. I'm going to just speak directly to the church there now. Okay. Pronounce Appaloosa when I put that wrong. Appaloosus. Appaloosus. I want to speak to my brothers and sisters in Appaloosus today. Many of you know me. I'm Jim LaFoon. I've been there. Here are the leaders, and God began to speak to me about you. And I want you to know your greatest days are ahead. And I looked at that church, and you you are such a key city in Louisiana. You say, how could that be? It's because God has chosen to create a model in that city of the power of men and women of God when they come together and cross demographic lines, ethnic lines, to build something for God. And build you will. And you, you sit now as an example. Here we are. Pandemic has hit us. Ethnic pain has hit us. None of these things took me by surprise. Um, in late 2018, 2019, as leaders here know, God showed me these things. But I'm here to tell you, God's hand is at work. And in many of your lives, whether you're back in church or still online with us, I saw a dredging machine. It's the kind of machine you would see dredging out a channel, dredging out a, a harbor. And from time to time, God does, the answer is not more water, it's dredging and deeping the channels. And I know these pandemic months have dredged up many things in our heart. There's been political division. There's been ethnic division. There's been demographic. And I know in many of your hearts, things you thought you'd put under the blood when you came to the church have been dredged up. And you've had wonderings. But I'm here to tell you, whatever God dredges, he heals. And he's dredged things up to make room in your hearts and your marriages and your lives for the fresh outpouring of his spirit. And I saw as the dredging emptied, this is, I, I don't know the way to say this. I saw the Lord pour out a giant bowl of his spirit and power. And your greatest days as a church are ahead. Your greatest days as a city are ahead. Your greatest days as a community are ahead. And you are not to be afraid. I know things have dredged in your marriage, dredged in your kids. You wonder about your future. Your future is as bright as the promises of God. I know it still feels dark. What variant might be coming next? What could happen to the economy? Let me tell you, it's always dark before the light. Right now we're at the midnight hour. What's that? A new day has come too dark to see. I'm praying for you. I believe in you. Don't despise the dredging work of the Lord. Know that he's come along to dredge new channels for his blessing, his love, his spirit, his power. Let's get ready. He has a plan for that city to make it into a jewel in Louisiana. And that he will. I'm praying for you. Come on, if you receive that for yourself, would you just stand at your feet? If you just receive that, we need the spirit of God.